Hello, welcome to Sapphic Skywalkers, a podcast that focuses on female characters and LGBTQ representation in the galaxy far, far away. My name is Natalie. And I'm Lynn, and we're here to talk about Splatsbians. I guess first we'll talk about a bit of fandom news. Um... And I guess, well, the big thing is the world really sucks today um, all over the place. And I guess I'm honestly without words about it, like, not really sure what to even say. It's just lots of really sad things (laughs) happening. And, um, yeah, the world sucks, and we're not sure, I'm not sure what to say about it, except, you know. There's not a lot to say, really. I mean, there's, well, that's a lie, there's plenty of to say. Nothing you can say that's already been, that hasn't already been said, except, you know, I guess... The only thing I would say is, like, keep pushing yourself and people around you to be better and work to change our fucked up society in whatever way you can. I think what's important is that if you use Star Wars as a way to escape from the real world, mm-hmm. I think it's important to to know that it's okay to like not engage in any um any conversations about what's going on if it makes you uncomfortable yeah because i feel like on twitter when things like things like this happen Mm -hmm. there is kind of like like everyone kind of needs to acknowledge and if that makes you uncomfortable or that makes if that kind of validates your or not validates um invades your safe space that's okay Yeah, take care of yourself like if engaging or watching all of the news or discussion about this is like triggering or in any way or really like messing you up in the head like take care of yourself it's okay to escape a little um so yeah even though everything sucks we still have star wars and we still have beautiful lesbians if nothing else so honestly we need yeah. more right. So I guess that's what we'll focus on for <laughs> the end. <laughs> Hopefully uh, the end of this, you know, seems like forever. Incredibly long day. Oh yeah, this is being recorded on Monday, um, October 2nd, by the way. So yeah, but by the time this comes out, like who knows what else would have happened by then. But yeah. <laughs> Hopefully Hopefully nothing don't say else, that. but um yeah but yeah i guess we'll hope that today hopefully we can just end today with good star wars talk and not have to yeah bear any more tragedy so well something positive to really think about that can help us distract our minds mm-hmm. is that we got some new forces of destiny shorts last so night so good so beautiful disney aired a half hour block of all the forces of the destiny forces of destiny shorts and it has like little 
It was introduced by Moz. Yeah, and Moz was just that. camping. It was so cute. It was it was adorable. Mm-hmm. And they showed all of the old ones that we got in July. Yeah. And then I don't think they showed all um, of the old I ones. Think, I think they're gonna show Well they showed Yeah, because I think the they didn't show um Leia and Hoth. They didn't show the second Ray one. Oh yeah. Um, they didn't show Leia and Hoss. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But they didn't show all the new ones either, so because we did not get yeah, Sabine and which Jen. I am desperately anticipating. <laughs> Me too. Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> it's gonna be it's like we talked about uh, this on the sh- on the show, maybe our second episode where we talked about how <laughs> if Jen oh ever met Sabine, <laughs> that would have turned. Yes, <laughs> and then we got yep. this. So we're gonna see the moment that Jen realizes yes, that she likes. I can't girls. wait. <laughs> I can't wait to be affirmed. <laughs> but oh, the big one that we both really, really loved was the Padme and Ahsoka um, short that came out. Yes, yesterday. Um, that was amazing. It was amazing to see uh, Padme being a pilot. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Ahsoka teaching her. Wonderful. I yes. love their relationship. I love female relationships and I love it when it's um those relationships are explored yes. more in Star Wars. And uh those two particular I I came to watch I I started watching Clone Wars because of yeah. Padme because I just yeah, wanted more yeah, Padme yeah. content. But I right. stayed for Ahsoka. So and I stayed for the relationship because it's 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 weird because it's it's a friendship, but it's also very motherly, sisterly. Like I don't even know how to categorize motherly, it. It's, it's very. It's uh because I would say that you know Padme was kind of a mentor mm-hmm. for Ahsoka in a lot of ways when it comes to politics and kind of like teaching her how um, the mm-hmm. inner works of the Senate works. Um, but this short also showed that Ahsoka yeah. had a lot of things to teach Padme. Um, so there's a, a mutual uh, benefit, um, mutual um, yeah like benefits happening between them. So yeah, like I don't know, like they're really equals, that. and that's really really great. And we saw a lot of more yes. Padme's personality yeah. shine through. Yeah. And I loved how she really winked and was like kind of you know low key bragging a little bit, like you know I just saved the day. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit Anakin in that way. <laughs> It also kind of oh reminds me of Luke yeah. as well. Like this, her just um, yeah. attitude and just like her, I, I hate her using swagger. this word, but her swagger <laughs> just kind of reminds yeah. me of Luke. So, and it was cute that she was, she I had R2 with her. I that. I love that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, pretty much every Skywalker has like flown or been you know reliant on r2 and i love that so much so yeah, yeah i thought it was so cute that he was with her and then we had uh ketsu ah! and sabine which <laughs> just made everyone so happy every yes. shipper's little heart burst yeah. into a million pieces well not yes. burst. like everyone's so happy um the i don't know if 
like this because it was from a story um in the in the book and it no it was exactly different how it played um, out in the book it was because this one yeah. definitely had like ketsu um right. joining the rebellion mm-hmm. in that story i don't think it was that definite but it was good to mm-hmm. see that she's actually involved yes um with the rebellion now and hopefully this means that we are gonna see her please oh my gosh four. that would make me so happy <laughs> Yes, and it was just—it was nice to see Hera, though. I think I actually think there's going to be another one with Hera and Ketsu because there was a clip in the trailer where Hera was handing a data chip to Ketsu, saying, "Take this to your informant," and it wasn't in this short. So I'm thinking we might get another one at the end of the month. Yeah, why do they have to make us wait a whole fucking month for the rest? I'm happy about that. (laughs) Shorts. Ah. Um. Um, but anything else that that sticked out to you uh, with the shorts? I love seeing Finn. That was nice. I thought that was cute. Um, and I mean, I love that they got so much of the original voice talent or original actors to do the voices in these shorts. I think that's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like we had the original voice actress for uh, Ketsu Gina Torres my queen come back and then john yeah boyega was doing finn and um whoever was doing the impression of older han of old harrison ford did pretty well because it was pretty on point yeah i mean is it hard to do an old harrison ford oh, not really you just kind of, yeah you just sound grumpy and kind of like raw, raw like gravelly yeah <laughs> I loved Han calling BB-8 ball. Oh. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just kind of sweet to Ray in that as well. Like, good job, kid. Or like, And he was like totally like supportive of her, you know, calling them a good team. Like, he was here for it. He was being a good old grandpa to her. Yeah. So I was happy with um, that. I'm I'm sad that we didn't get to see a lot um any more Finn, but hopefully we will. Yeah, I we um, should get a lot more, I'm thinking. Going back to having most of the original actors, um mm-hmm. it was kind of like it's a beautiful sight to see the end credits and it's like all these names and you're just like yeah. my babies. Yes. Oh they're all part of this every like the voice actors from the animated shows and the the movie actors, they're all pitching together to create this beautiful yes thing. that's so great and it's so nice that they all like believe in the project yeah to, to participate right i mean it's not that hard for john boyega to say some lines and right <laughs> in a microphone yeah. like that probably took like five minutes for him mm-hmm. but still like the fact that they were willing to do that is that's great mm-hmm. it shows what one what a wonderful cast we have yes definitely oh the, the one other new short was um ahsoka doing lightsaber training with yoda oh. which i thought was really good in the room that kanan was uh knighted was knighted in yeah that was so have, cool have we ever seen that room besides no and i'm glad they kind of like canonized it in a way because it was just i i was wondering if that room was just a force vision you know um because that's technically what he was happening to him he he was having a force vision when he was knighted but this short made it like like oh that's a real room in the real jedi temple so that was cool 
Yeah, I really like but that. I, um, I think it filled an interesting gap in Clone Wars because you kind of wonder um, why Ahsoka made the transition to two lightsabers, what it was like for her to train that way. And I thought there were lots of little really good like winks to you know dedicated viewers of both Clone Wars and Rebels in that short because of the specific moves that Ahsoka was using. Um, like after Yoda says that she needs to fight like herself, she uses a reverse grip on the lightsabers because before she was holding them, you know, forward in sort of a more standard yeah. way. But then also a move that she used against Yoda was a move that we see Ahsoka use against Vader in Twilight of the Apprentice when he comes at her from like behind and she crosses her lightsabers behind her head. And I thought that, and like a bunch of people noticed that, and I thought that was a cool wink to you know dedicated fans. So, yeah, yeah. Yay, little visual nods yes. like that, yes. love it. <laughs> makes it makes watching, consuming all the Star Wars kind of yes, worth. definitely. <laughs> So we're going to move on to the character of the week, who is uh, Shmi Skywalker, mother of the Skywalker family, uh, mother of Jedi, the one who started it all, who deserves all of the love. All the love. Yes, absolutely. So we'll talk about some details of her you know, life and backstory. So she was born in 72 bby her birth world is unknown we're not sure if she was born on tatooine or if she was from somewhere else um the backstory of how she became a slave is unknown but we know she was owned by gardula the hut before being sold to Watto, a junk dealer uh water gave her independent living space in the slave quarters of most espa um and then she was randomly, you know, randomly got pregnant in 41 BBY with Anakin, who was supposedly conceived by the midichlorians. Um, yeah, so just randomly got a force baby. At least the, you know, the real virgin Mary got a heads up, but she didn't yeah. get any heads up. Mary um, got an angel. Yeah, yeah. What did Shmi get? Crap. Um... <laughs> So yeah, she has this random force baby who unfortunately is also, you know, born into slavery by proxy. Um and so Anakin's very, very smart, um, clearly has special abilities, and um she recognizes that early on. Um she allows and encourages his engineering and mechanical interests, including pod raising, even though it really scares her and she doesn't like it when she when he does it, but because it's his passion and he has very special talent for it she allows him to do it um so and then they you know run into Qui-Gon and Padme and uh Jar Jar and the sad thing is they initially think that because you know Qui-Gon's a Jedi that he might try to free them from slavery um I mean, but they're even surprised. Padme is especially surprised that they're still slaves on Tatooine because, you know, she's a naive, 
hardcore world politician, so she thinks that she doesn't really think of the outer rim. Um, and Shmi is like, no, there's still <laughs> slavery out here, and like, which is so crazy because yeah. Naboo's not even that far away from Tatooine, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Naboo's mid, like mid rim. Not. Yep. Yeah, if you ever yeah. look at, um, like, if you there's quote unquote canon maps of where planets are yeah. in relation to to the galaxy and the galaxy mm-hmm. naboo is kind of on the border of being outer rim mid yeah close to tatooine mm-hmm. so the fact that padme who is the queen of a planet yeah. is that ignorant to something that's not relatively that far away from her mm-hmm. is kind of interesting yeah hmm padme hmm um so yeah she meets them and um Qui-Gon instantly recognizes you know the strength of the force with him and um he asks her about him and she tells him about his special abilities and she's like well maybe this guy can help my son and you know give him a better life and so they go, they go through the whole debacle of Anakin winning back, um, you know, of of getting the you know the parts for uh, Padme's ship and um, getting freed as well through that. Um, and Shmi knows that she's not part of that uh, deal, unfortunately, <laughs> that Qui Gon made. Um, and but she knows she has to let him go so he can she has to let Anakin go so he can you know fulfill his potential and even though it probably means she'll never see him again and um was she was totally you know done dirty by Qui-Gon Qui-Gon could have totally I mean he pulled so many like underhanded moves to get everything that he wanted on Tatooine, there's no reason why he couldn't have tried a little harder <laughs> to get oh, Shmi free too. Done. So, um, yeah. What could he have done? I really think that he could have. They could have just walked. I mean, he could have removed. No, they couldn't just walked away. No, they couldn't. I think it's like implanted into their body. Like, well, and he clearly leave. got his removed because because they made a deal with Watto. <laughs> like I think I, it's like one of the things that they can turn off and on. Well, I think Qui-Gon did so much to make deals with Watto. Like he made so many deals with him that he could have definitely pushed it or sweetened the pot or something to get Shmi free. Oh, what what could they have they had nothing. I I though. That's the kind of the whole point of of Sorry, I just rewatched uh, uh, the scenes on Tatooine a couple of days ago, and they really had no way to get off Tatooine. They it was a very convoluted. They had to come up with a convoluted plan to even get Anakin free and to um, to get the parts that they needed. I think I really think that there might have been a plan to like okay we're gonna get Anakin now but I could see later on if Qui-Gon was still alive to come back and get Shmi Mm, well you know I I don't like Qui-Gon so 
I know you don't. And I'm really but like I just like he did try. He definitely could have tried harder. I guess that's all I have to say on that. Because he tried so hard and did so much like weird risky stuff in order to get everything that they needed. So But the the thing that I that I saw when I was watching rewatching um those scenes is that and this is really sad and um but Shmi was very much kind of forcing Qui-Gon to take him to take Anakin I she guess was so. very adamant she was very adamant about yeah. it yeah true <laughs> and she and she she did not say it but her actions and her body language and and everything about her was saying, you know, try to get her uh, Anakin out yeah. before you try to save me. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess you're right. So, <laughs> and and I hate that she says this because it's totally not true. But she says to Anakin that like her place is here, meaning on yeah. Tatooine, and her life is there, which is sad because obviously no one's life. It's meant to be a slave, yeah. but I I think I wouldn't say she was happy with the outcome, but I think she was she was relieved to have her son in true. Safer like hands. she definitely prioritized what, him, like, and I mean she gave Qui Gon the I like permit like, and I. I guess Qui-Gon wouldn't have tried to take him without her permission. So, like, yeah, I I don't know. I guess this is just something we'll disagree on. I think that he definitely could have <laughs> tried a little harder to get her out. But, um, uh, yeah. So, on, yeah, so she you know, is unfortunately not able to go with them and is not freed. Um, and the goodbye scene between her and Anakin absolutely tears me up. Um, it never used to get me when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, it really makes me emotional. Um, yeah. How she, you know, she definitely knows that there's a very, very low chance of them ever seeing each other again, but she gives him, she gives Anakin hope that they still could. Um, and tells him to, and she, you know, she doesn't want him to be stuck in the past or to be always thinking about her. She wants him to not look back. Um, and yeah, she's just incredibly wise in that in how she approaches that um yeah really makes me so sad something that <laughs> something that i also noticed when i was watching uh, the scenes is that i feel like she had already kind of prepared herself to let anakin mm. go at some point i think deep down she knew that he was going to go off to mm-hmm. do greater things that his life was was not going to be stuck or on with her even i mean 
well, with her, I mean, like, I, I feel like she must have had that thought once she realized she was pregnant because I like, mean, this is the magic child. Yeah. Like, you're, pr- <laughs> this is a magic baby. This baby's going to do something. Like, it's not just going to mm-hmm. uh, stick with me. Um, and you, you can definitely see that there is so many emotions going through her. She's revealed, mm-hmm. but she's sad she's she's she doesn't want to give up her son but she also knows that it's probably the best thing for him and but she also doesn't want to lose uh really her whole entire life yeah because anakin was kind of her whole entire life pretty much Um, so Yeah. yeah she's such a strong and um, complex character and she's absolutely only on the screen for about 15 minutes not even that yeah so oh she deserves so much better <laughs> she does. But yeah after she says um goodbye to him then um her story thread is picked up again in um episode two where Anakin's having these really terrible visions about her suffering and um, being in pain. And um, so he goes back to Tatooine with Padme and finds out from Watto that um, she was sold to Klieg Lars, who is Owen Lars' father. And Klieg Lars eventually freed her um, and married her. Um, and the sad thing is we never really see, you know, we never really get to know anything about what, how Shmi felt about that. Um, like, of, of course, I want to assume that she loved him too and was happy there. Um, but we never know if she was. <laughs> well, okay. So how I kind of base, uh, the relationship between her and the mm-hmm. Lars is, I just thought of this today and this honestly could be totally be proven wrong tomorrow because we do get um, um, from a certain point of view book we do have Baru's little insight but I don't think Owen and Baru took in Luke because he was Anakin's son because he's the son of a kid that they met for like a day um, that mm-hmm. was their step, like was Owen's stepbrother, but they didn't really mm-hmm. establish a relationship with. I think one of right. the biggest reasons why they took Luke in is because uh, he's Shmi's grandson. Um, Absolutely, and and I think they must have had a good relationship. All of them must have had at least some sort of a good relationship. Yeah, they were willingly willing willingly uh to take in luke um, right really probably knowing the circumstances around luke's birth and um mm-hmm. i mean they obviously knew that luke was going to be in danger mm-hmm. but, and it was important to kind of keep him you know on the down low but right. i i think the fact that they took in luke uh kind of and they wanted to protect something of shmi i don't know i think that kind of solidifies the fact there was probably a good relationship although i i would like to point out that i've said this before any relationship that starts with one person 
buying the freedom of the other person is always going to be to me an unhealthy relationship because there's a yeah. weird power uh yeah. balance uh, uh uh power power um, yeah uh power power that uh clique has over shmi that should not be in a relationship yeah but considering the circumstances right. of 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 what's what happened i think they were at least a happy family as much as they could be yeah yeah i really i really hope that she was able to find happiness and fulfillment with the lars family um but yeah you know any anything any story where you know the master falls in love with the slave is really like really questionable and really like is like sets off red flags and since we don't have any like i mean we we have our assumptions but i really wish we had some way of knowing what what it was like for shmi there so i really hope and i don't think this is how it is because how wado kind of described um um how how shmi came into the Lars's family yeah um but i i kind of hope that what like Lars uh, um Klee just kind of paid off Wado like paid just quote unquote bought her without Shmi knowing and then Wado one day came like oh hey by the way you're free not really knowing who freed her yeah. and then Klee just come like oh well I guess we can we can actually have a relationship now without really but that's obviously not what happens but I wish that's kind of yeah. you know what I'm saying so it wasn't like just Same. like oh I'm gonna buy you um yeah. but I don't know. Right. I try. I want. I. I want the best for Shmi. <laughs> I want the best for Shmi, and I'm and it and it sucks because uh, there's not really a way for her to have a kind of life where she can choose her freedom because yeah. she was a slave, and the only right. way for for her to not be a slave is for someone else to buy buying her and free and free her, and that just mm-hmm. takes away some of her freedom because she really didn't have a choice and then that there's there's a weird like well you bought my freedom so i must owe you something so there's never really she never really was going to be able able to experience true freedom yeah so unfortunately with the way things worked on tatooine yeah yeah so yeah the end of her story was in 22 bby she was captured by the sand people while walking alone out by the um you know evaporators she was uh held as a prisoner by them and tortured for about a month before anakin found her in the camp and she died in his arms so she was holding out for him i think specifically like thinking of him um and you know yet like thinking of him and like imagining where he could be and what he could be doing um to inspire herself and keep herself going um and when she was able to see him again um and you know hear his voice see how he'd grown um she was able to let go so it was such a sad way and do you think shmi was projecting herself 
um, using the force to Anakin during Ooh. her last during her last couple of days, weeks. I'm here for anything that makes me force sensitive because there had to be a reason why she was, you know, chosen by like however that worked chosen by the the force the mini chlorians to ha- give birth to you know the chosen one and i definitely think it must have been because she was force sensitive so um yeah like low key force sensitive in some way and I, yeah i like to think of it's kind of like a uh, luke and leia situation at the end of empire strikes back yeah where luke is is it's calling out leia's name and leia feels it Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if that, like, if if Shmi was kind of doing the same thing with Anakin. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we know that Anakin can kind of see the future and has like these 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 um these feelings about everyone he loves because he has the exact same thing that happens with him with Padme. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to think that somehow Shmi's presence was able to get to Anakin. Yeah, I really like that idea. Because I think the situation with Shmi was different than Padme because with Shmi, he was, I think he was seeing her as it was happening as far, because we don't know how long exactly he'd been having those visions, but she was there. She was in captivity for about a month before the events of the attack of the clones. So I think he had him for a while though, because I remember reading, and I really shouldn't use information that I get from Twitter all the time, but I can remember <laughs> something on Twitter about like um, just uh, trying to say that um, um, that Cleek was a was a bad husband because Anakin was having uh, visions and feelings about his mom way before she was captured. Mm-hmm. So I want to say it might have been a little bit more than a month. True, he just hmm. not a. He just felt he just knew that was going to happen to her. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, we don't really know. Who I don't want to. I don't want to think that Cleek was a was an abuser because I, I really hope not. I I don't want that to be the case. <laughs> don't want that to be the case. Um. But yeah, so. we don't really know how long that he'd been having those visions. So. I'm not sure. Um. But yeah, that's sort of the background and kind of just our thoughts on Shmi but we put out a question for viewers to say what what Shmi means to them or what they like about Shmi and we got some really great responses we'll finish off our um you know spotlight on Shmi with uh with some of these thoughts so the first one is from team Ahsoka um, who says, I like the way she puts Padme in her place when she mentions the Republic's anti-slavery laws and reminds her of the realities of life. Um, I think, yeah, I thought that was good. To How Shmi kind of revealed um, a lot of uh, her naivety through that and, yeah, some of Padme's privilege. Even Yeah, even though she lives so close. And I think this was a case with the human Nebu um, with the Gungans as well. Like uh, the human, the humans of Nebu seem pretty uh, ignorant of the Gungans' culture or like resources or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it was good that Shmi kind of put Padme in her place a little bit. 
Um, and next we have um, Amy um, saying, uh, Shmi achieved the Jedi ideal of selfless love Anakin never managed, which I think was like prime. I think it was like the heart of Shmi. Um, like, I think she did selfless love better than a lot of Jedi did. And it's so true because Shmi was able to let Anakin go, but Anakin yes. could never let anyone else go. Mm-hmm. Anakin was very possessive, mm-hmm. um, and Shmi wasn't. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the heart of her is selfless love. I think a reason she's very strong as well, because to be to love selflessly requires a lot of self-control and strength for sure um yeah like even the best jedi like often didn't have the strength to detach themselves from the things that you know the, the people the things that they were attached to and she was able to do that so what are the ideas that they they really like because the the jedi could never really Oh, never mind. Go on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like they were never able to let go of their like philosophy? Oh, yeah, or, or the, the letter to the law, or um, true. They they love the fact that they had influence. Yeah, and that they could control things, and they can never they mm-hmm. never really let go of the fact that you know sometimes they just need to trust the force, and yes, so. For sure. Um, next is uh, from JD Hart, and he says, "I like that Shmi accepted both the good and bad in her life with grace and courage. She's the true Zen master of Star Wars. She has a different sort of strength. You don't have to be good with a blaster or in a cockpit. Just enduring hardship can be inspiring too." I think that's very, very, very good. And- I think what we're getting at is that Shmi is a better Jedi than all the Jedi's. Yep, pretty much. That's that's the the take that we're leaving you guys with. Like what we think of the Jedi from the original trilogy, like what what uh imagery they what how Obi-Wan kind of spoke about the Jedi and how I mm-hmm. guess people would assume the Jedi were um were, was how Shmi acted. Yes, absolutely. Um yeah, she was actually able to love people in a detach yeah she's actually able to detach from the things of the world and be virtuous the way a jedi is supposed to um and then next is from emma uh and she says uh her favorite thing about shmi is her strength she had a random force baby and raised him and loved him she stood tall when he left her behind um yeah oh yeah like shmi doesn't even cry like you mean you can see that she's holding it back um, I mean, the fact that she doesn't cry and she's able to stay so strong for him when saying goodbye is, like, amazing. <laughs> like, that's that requires so much strength. I wonder how hard, um, what opposition she faced when she was pregnant with Anakin. Mm, yeah. She's not going to be, she's not going to say, well, you know, immaculate conception, you know. That's mm-hmm. how the force works. Right. I wonder if he was called names and was accused yeah. of things. And- yeah, definitely. The same way that, you know, since she's like 
referred to as like Saint Shmi or like the Virgin. I mean, I like Saint Shmi. I think she should be referred to as Saint Shmi. Um, but I think, yeah, she might have gone through similar things that like the actual Mary probably went through, which is like nearly being stoned because people thought that she was having a baby out of wedlock and things like that. So yeah, she, I imagine she went through similar judgment perhaps mm -hmm. in her she community. She was able to stay strong. Yes, for sure. Um, and the last one um, is from Jared, who says, her message to Anakin about people helping each other is something more people should take to heart. Everyone knows it, but we need to live it. Oh, yeah, yeah, her saying, um, the biggest problem in the galaxy is no one helps each other. Um, which is another instance of her being, like, super good Jedi. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and I mean, the, she takes these random strangers that her son met in a market into her house and she feeds them um, and she's very open to them. So like, yeah, she she's not only she doesn't only just love selflessly. She's like very kind and open. And, is, and even though they have next to nothing, she's willing to share that with complete strangers, which is what the Jedi should have been doing, you know, like, um helping everyone that they need to be helping instead of you know you know trying to protect their own interests or protect um the republic all the time so but shmi reminds me of like how actual christians should act and oh, then the jedi really, that's not me. really bad <laughs> lynn that's a really good point <laughs> like shmi is shmi is like how christians and our, you know, like how, like, oh, Christians should be lovely. Yeah. And they should be generous and they should be, you know, um, accepting of everyone. And then you can kind of uh, yeah. see the Jedi as like the church, yeah. which is very self, they're all about themselves. They're very, um, for sure. They only want to, to, they're only interested in, um, in how to improve um, themselves and not help yeah. anyone else um they're all about their self-interest mm -hmm. so. yeah no i yeah a lot of church establishments are like that and yeah i think that's a very very good comparison that's not bad <laughs> um i mean we know everything in star wars has a basis in reality and i think the um you know hypocrisies that are revealed in the jedi in the prequel area era and in clone wars are like very real um critiques of you know real religious institutions that often yes. um are too focused on their own priorities too focused on like political power and things like that and don't actually take care of what they're supposed to take care of so i think it's a very good comparison So yeah, that is all of our thoughts on Shmi, of which there is a lot. <laughs> um, there is. And we're actually going to end up talking about her a bit more um, when we're moving into our uh, sort of main topic here, which is the mistreatment and sidelining of older female characters in Star Wars. So we're kind of um, exploring the ways that ageism can intersect with sexism in this story, in this franchise. Um, so yeah, 
such a fun topic to yeah, talk about. Yeah, you want to <laughs> kick that off? Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, you can. Okay. Um. So the main characters that I think we were thinking about when we uh, came up with this topic was Shmi, Hera, Mon, uh, Maz, Jac- and then Jacosta New and all the female Jedi that are on the council. And then also and Padme, Padme as well, because uh, like once she becomes you know pregnant, like in Revenge of the Sith, like that makes her older. That makes her like out of the action in a way. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because out of me, out of everyone, Hera's the youngest by far. Yeah. Um. Um. So. So when we're talking about mistreatment and sidelining, I think we're mostly talking about um merchandising and then the inclusion of older characters in like the action that um you know star wars is so much uh investment in um so with all of these characters it's very hard to find any merchandise shirts toys um etc and um then also a lot of these characters are either either they're not included in action or they are silenced in a lot of ways um or both (laughs) um and the funny thing is about a lot of these characters like Hera and Padme particularly is that they're not that much older at all um but somehow they are because they're like in these more motherly or somewhat older positions than they're deprioritized so yeah yeah especially with we have Hera in in rebels we obviously um it's easier to focus on when it comes to merchandising and and action when it comes to um yes. Sabine because she's she's a Mandalorian mm-hmm. and she's also the teenager right. so I can see the natural um lean to, to her but there's also you know Hera who does a lot of a lot of things for the ghost mm-hmm. crew and she still gets sidelined and then we have Padme with um let's specifically in the Clone Wars even though she's not maybe as featured as much as I want mm-hmm. her to be uh she's she has Ahsoka to kind of right. for that for the attention to kind of go on and which also makes sense because Ahsoka's right, the character right. of the show um but it it seems like when it comes to merchandising uh the the animated shows they really just focus the teenagers. on teenagers yeah the teenager the quote-unquote yeah. main characters and the older and the and the characters with the more uh, mature motherly roles definitely get right, sidelined definitely um so and I, and I guess something um yeah so there, it, there's a lot of all of these different characters don't all suffer from the same kinds of you know sidelining or um, mistreatment, but um, especially with the yeah, well, go ahead. Well, with Maz, she has some merchandise, True. but yeah. not a lot. She's forgotten a um, lot, I believe. Yeah, definitely. Shmi, um. Can understand why there's not there's a lot of merchandise for me because she's only <laughs> <laughs> she's not in the movie for mm-hmm. that long. 
Um, even though she's such an important character. Um, but I don't think right. toy companies or any think they see a demand for Shmi. Although, if there were just Shmi's figure out there, a lot of us would have out her. there. <laughs> a lot of us would grab that in an um, instant. So, and with Mon Mothma, there, I, I don't think there's even a Funko no. for Mon. And there's definitely not a Funko for Shmi, but to be fair, there's not a Funko for um, the prequel era yeah. in general, I don't think. Um, so with merchandising, I think the two the two outlet uh, the two characters that we could really focus uh, focus on is Hera and, and and Padme since they do take um, they are pretty big in in, in the mediums that right. they appear in, and it's it's sad that they do only focus on um, only the teenage right the teenage characters. like action fighter characters because the thing that Hera and Padme both have in common is that they're both um they both embrace the more diplomatic side of the fight um you know Hera's a leader and she's also navigating the larger um you know diplomatic subtleties of the rebellion um and she's you know coordinating their missions to fit into this larger rebellion and coordinating with all these other leaders um and also it Padme is, you know, a senator and a queen and is focusing on more diplomatic political aspect of um, the Clone Wars or the struggles that were happening during her time. Um, And they're not always completely focused on the action, you know, the way that, um, yeah, if we want to, in both cases, Ahsoka and Sabine are always the ones that are, you know, in the action. They're not doing, like, really as much i mean ahsoka does a bit more but um they're not really doing as much you know negotiating or um like political like activism (laughs) or like leading or anything they're mostly in the action um so i yeah i think it sucks that um these female characters because they're uh not just in the action they're also doing a lot of diplomacy and leadership um that they're somehow seen as less exciting which really sucks yeah and that's kind of i feel like that's teaching kids a bad mm-hmm. lesson that you're really only valued if you do fight you, you yeah. do fight like there's no there's no place for mm-hmm. diplomacy or no place for the i guess the quote-unquote desk yeah. work job of right war. so um yeah and I guess something else uh, that, yeah, when, when I'm talking about different kinds of strength, you know, female characters don't always have to be physically fighting to be strong. And that's something that needs to be pushed in the narrative. And, and in Forces of Destiny, too, I really wish that if they're talking about these characters being heroes, that they, on- they don't only show them being heroes through fighting or through action. Um uh, so I guess my opinion on whether or not these older characters should be fighting, like they don't have to be fighting in order to be strong, but there's also no reason why they shouldn't, um, perhaps be included in that. And I'm thinking more of Mon when it comes to this, actually, mm-hmm. like, cause, um, 
Mon kind of interests me because they um, chose her to be the leader of the rebellion, but she's not actually seen as like a fighter, like or is actually she doesn't seem to ha have an actual. I, I mean, I guess they complicated the structure of the rebellion with when when uh, seeing the council in Rogue One. But in terms of Return of the yeah. Jedi, like it would have been interesting to see her actually, perhaps, you know, I, I, as a military commander, the same way as Admiral Akbar, like actually commanding, um, like in the battle, or uh, like it, it just was weird to me that they chose her to be this sort of distant figurehead instead of showing her as uh, having, you know military command or something because that would have made a lot more sense yeah. in the structure of the rebellion as we saw it in the original trilogy um well i don't think i don't think it was her role to really be a a, a military true. commander before rogue one before uh the before she started she was on the run from the senate um or was on the run and and she, her role was just really to be um uh was like kind of like with bail it was kind of like to be the voice of reason in the senate but also funding right. the rebellion right. on the side um but it's interesting because we don't we don't really know what her yeah. role is after right. um one. well i think she ended yeah. up being characterized as a sort of figurehead diplomatic person because and, and of the way that. she was portrayed in return of the jedi um you know if she had showed up you know with a military badge if she had been you know commanding the battle alongside admiral akbar i think her backstory of being you know a senator like this sort of distant figurehead person would have played out a lot more a lot differently um and i think that would have been yeah. interesting do you think hera is you think Hera's gonna become more like that as she progresses? Mm -hmm. I mean, she becomes a general, which is a is a you know, it's she, meaning that she's going to be involved somewhat. But I wonder if she also kind of loses being part yeah, of. Yeah, that's sort of what I'm she... wondering, or a bit like ways that I think maybe Hera and Mon are similar is that they're both kind of um like because of the way people seem to take Hera out of the action or perceive her as being out of the action, she's seen as more of a figurehead as like a motherly figurehead of mm -hmm. Phoenix squadron. I think Mon um, suffers from the same sort of limitation within the rebellion because people can't seem to like categorize her. <laughs> and um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess, characters don't need to be categorized in order to be appreciated but i think it would be interesting if mon had had a more um defined role the way that hera does because hera's role is defined like she's a general like that makes sense yeah. whereas mon it's like yeah what who, who is she like what is she supposed she's to be like um she i mean she comes in she's almost like this angel like inspi inspi inspiring kind of angel character who's like overlooking everything but isn't really involved in it if that makes any sense and 
I wish that her role had been more active because then it wouldn't be so nebulous. Um, I I almost feel like Hera is what Mon should have been, if that makes any sense. Um, because yeah, Hera is definitely a, a leader and is involved in diplomacy and sees the larger vision of the rebellion, but she's you know very much involved in um like the fighting like she has a rank within the army like her role makes sense it's defined whereas mons was just kind of like nebulous like she's just kind of there um and i don't understand why why wouldn't she right. take a rank of some sort because it's not like after rogue one there's or or like there's no reason for her to yeah. not have one. She's not going back to the Senate and trying to uh, right. be diplomatic. Yeah. Like that's that I, time is over. Of, so like, and I almost feel like as well. Be, besides Hera being what Mon should have been, I think uh, Leia and Amalyn are kind of embracing similar roles. Like they're clearly like diplomatic figures. They're not like directly in the battles, but they have actual ranks. Like. Leia is a general, um, and um, Amelin is a vice admiral. Like they have definitive roles within the resistance. Like just because they're these diplomatic figures that are, you know, wearing nice dresses and are um, figuring out the, and are kind of leading from a distance, um, they still have a definite role. Um, in within the hierarchy of the resistance, the rebellion, and I think that's what they should have done with Mon. So, yeah. I mean, they still they still could do that with Mon. I'm trying to remember because there is mention yeah. of her in aftermath and the aftermath series. I'm trying to re- figure remember what was said of her, but they still can True. develop her. Um, with a Mon Mothma. Yes, please uh, give us series. that. <laughs> um yes that would have been great um there 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 isn't a can we haven't like you know shut her story down like we mm. haven't closed the door on that yet so there's still time to um give her give her some role but to be fair when you have since Mm -hmm. she's quote-unquote the head of of the rebellion you don't really put your your head figures in the middle of a battle (laughs) They they typically are yeah off somewhere else dictating and and taking and um kind of I see them as like the chess players you know they're the yeah. ones who are making the moves and everyone else are, right. are kind of like their pawns are just kind of yeah. doing carrying on their actions yeah and so. I guess like Mon wouldn't necessarily have to be in the fight in order to have a like def- more defined role like I would have liked to see that yeah that's that's um, totally true. Speaking of another character who I'm hoping gets more development soon in new canon, I really hope Maz, um, we get to see her yes. do some action a little yes. bit. Because, you know, like, she's she's been living for a thousand years. Like, she's gone through shit. Like, she's definitely, mm-hmm. um, like, she's kept that, uh, you know, bar open for, a, like, I don't know, yeah, like... She's- a long yeah, time and something. um and uh like i i know she's sort of being set up as like the female yoda and it'd be 
Yeah, and it'd be well, kind of cool to see her like have similar level of like, power um, that Yoda has. Like, I kind of want to see her fight or like well, do something cool. Like, I think it'd be really good. You obviously know she has connection with the Force, but there's also like deleted scenes of the Force Awakens where she is really? using her Force powers. I didn't know that. Yeah, I could be. So that yeah, that's that's dumb. Like they should have just gone ahead and given her powers, because if you know if they were going with her being female Yoda, they should have just gone for it instead of like making her come just short of being full on Yoda by not having her use the Force. So yeah, whatever. They should have given her powers. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I feel like I just totally made that up. Let me look this up real quick. I I mean, I believe it, though. It makes a lot of sense. It's in so many things. Yeah, because I, I think it's also okay. in the novelization as well. Um, You know, cause so many things about The Force Awakens were like, you know, old elements of the <laughs> original trilogy kind of repackaged. Um, But yeah, I hope we get to see Maz not just being a wise woman or a you know a symbol um i want to see her you know in action or using some kind of power i think that'd be cool because you know if we're getting a female yoda like you might as well go whole hog like give her force powers <laughs> so Mm-hmm. You know, also, side note, she's much cooler and smarter than Yoda. Like, she knew absolutely that uh, it's better to own a cantina and, and party than try to take over and try to be the, you know, uh, not take over. Grand mess. Not take over the galaxy, but, like, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. get into the bureaucracy of politics and right. fighting. It makes me wonder if, you know, she could have... She probably could have become a Jedi, but she chose not to because she wanted her freedom, or she wanted to live life she want the way she wanted what, to. What if like that's her backstory? Like she was brought up in the Jedi Order or something, and mm. and she left. Mm. We obviously know know that you can't really have the you don't really have the decision of joining the Jedi Order if you're a small child, True. or like or yeah. or it could be a an instance of like her parents saying like yeah no I don't want you to take my child away from me <laughs> yeah or like the way that Anakin you know was somehow just not found because he's in the outer yeah. rim I don't know like it was because she was in a remote place or something like that so. there's obviously more force sensitive people out there like look they didn't they didn't catch Palpatine so right <laughs> <laughs> there's easy there are ways um, to escape the Jedi Order if you're force sensitive yeah okay so I guess sort of finishing up talking about women in the jedi order um and how they were pretty much completely silenced in the prequels um in a lot of ways i mean uh, some of the you know older female jedi masters get spotlighted in clone wars which is great but um something that really bothered me was even then um in when they showed council sessions in the clone wars you never really heard the uh, female female Jedi Masters speaking up. Never hear them. Which really annoyed me. <laughs> it was always Mace and Yoda and, and Ki-Adi Mundi or something like that. And Obi-Wan. Um, and so, but then in the actual prequels, 
you see them, but you never really hear them speak. The only time we hear an older Jedi, female Jedi speak is Jocasta New in Attack of the Clones. And her like short little snippet of dialogue made everyone dismiss her as like this cranky old bitch pretty much. (laughs) So yeah, she definitely played into a stereotype of an older woman, which I thought really sucked. She got a little bit of redemption in the Clone Wars, um, but... I was just thinking about that, but, okay, again, I, I don't have every Clone Wars episode memorized, but wasn't she... Wasn't She She fought in the Clone Wars, like, she fought in a scene in the Clone Wars, but it wasn't actually her, if I remember, you know why? Right, yeah, yeah it was a um, change changeling yeah. person. So... Um, but, yeah, even then, like, yeah... So they even took that away from her. Like, they didn't even let her fight. Yeah. Like, they were having, um, like, this changeling bounty hunter person fight as her instead. So, um, yeah, I I was really glad that the Clone Wars gave us, like, Shakti and Aeon Sakura and Adi Galea and Luminar Unduli. Um, but it was just so annoying to me that even in the Clone Wars, they didn't really speak in the council and it goes so. it's really frustrating to watch the prequels um and just see like barris and um um and, uh Luminara. Luminara in the background and yeah. they're just kind of you know set pieces they're just there it sucks that they're in the background yeah they, they're <laughs> not going and we do be fair there's um, most of the Jedi that we see, you know, they don't get characterizations at all. Like, there's no, there's yeah. no depth to them. But it's, it's more, it's more noticeable when it's the women, <laughs> because, mm-hmm. like you said, the only uh, female Jedi that we actually hear speak in the prequels is Jocasta. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and when and when she does, yes. it's in a way that everyone everyone hates her because, <laughs> like, a lot of people are like, oh, she's just this cranky, like. Old librarian. It's not saying that this is a, yeah, and it's not saying that it's a bad thing, but she's also the librarian. Right. So that just adds another like, really? yeah, layer of like stereotypical crap. <laughs> like older, yeah, cranky older. I'm just like, okay, yeah, we could have done better right. here. So, yeah, I guess that you know, kind of summing up our thoughts is like older characters more mature characters, more motherly um, female characters should not be like sidelined or forgotten just because they don't always fight. Um, and they should be like, not just used as set pieces the way that they are in the Jedi Order. Um, they should be, you know, giving insight and speaking up. And um, I'm hoping that Amelin... Yeah isn't yes i think amelin will be <laughs> i think amelin's gonna be important i think her i think they're doing better with the with the with the new trilogy especially with with leia yeah i think so oh. right yeah like they're showing that even though leia isn't on the front line she's like she's still definitely like important how leia is um, in the the sequel trilogy is what I think we want Mon Lothba to be in the original trilogy in that timeline. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Um and also give us more merch of Give all us of an Amelin Funko. I think all of them. <laughs> and a Yes. 
and give us everything Hera, give us everything Shmi, um, give us everything of the older mm-hmm. female Jedi masters. Um, uh, yeah, so those are our thoughts on older female characters who need more love. Um, and yes, so that kind of wraps up our main topic. Um, and so to finish up our headcanons of the week, uh, something I've been thinking about a lot this week is uh, yes. Finn being force sensitive. <laughs> like that's just, that's not like, it's not, that's nothing original that I've come up with or anything. It's I something a lot it. of people have said, but something I really, really, really want to happen. And it makes a lot of sense. And there's no reason why it shouldn't happen. Um, I mean, to be fair, every every trilogy that we have, two of the main, I guess, trio yeah. has been force yes. sensitive. We have Anakin, Obi Wan, Leia, and Luke. Yes, and Ray. Absolutely. It's yes, much. it is. It rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely believe that he, you know, broke his programming in the first order because he felt the awakening in the force. So. That's what's been on my mind this week. Yeah. How far have you gone into Phasma? I'm still haven't gotten very far. Like I'm moving pretty slow with it. Oh gosh. Oh, okay. This is a mild mild uh a mild spoiler, but we kind of see the inner workings of of how um True. stormtroopers in the first war- orders um how mm-hmm. they get trained. And the fact that Finn was able to defect from that very yeah. easily is quite yes. a feat. So I definitely think that he is more mm-hmm. sensitive just because he was able to kind of like, LOL, I don't want right. to be part of this yeah. anymore. So, yeah. For sure. So. So what's your headcanon this week? So this actually just came out of nowhere, but since it's official that Ketsu is part of the yeah. rebellion, I think think it would be kind of cool and i don't know the logistics of this and i don't know if it could actually work but like i think it would be kind of cool if she became a fulcrum yes you know there are multiple fulcrums out there and i think she has the capabilities of retrieving information for the rebellion or um going undercover and having to stay undercover so Mm -hmm. the only thing that i see this not working out is because she left the black sun and i'm pretty sure that there's probably a bounty on her head about that and yeah Oh, whatever. That's just yeah. that's just logistics of it. I just like yeah. the idea of. Okay. I guess we don't know how things work with the Black Sun. Like if you can leave, like if yeah. you have that option or not. But hello, Black Sun. I'm leaving to go join the rebellion. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they would be so, all for that. I'm not sure. Um, right. But right. she she has she's able to she knows the Empire because she was at the Academy. So yeah, I think she would be an excellent fulcrum. So that is my headcanon. Cool. So that wraps up our episode for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Sapphic Skywalk, where we have polls and fun listener questions. You can also subscribe, rate, and comment on our podcast on iTunes just by searching for Sapphic Skywalkers. You can also send us your thoughts or suggestions by emailing us at sapphicskywalkers at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Not Saf for Work podcasting network feed and website and check out some other cool shows. And you can find me on Twitter uh, 
at Lady of the Wills. And Lynn, where can they find you? And they can find me at Lenny Neal. That's L-I-N-N-Y-N-E-A-L. All right. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Go forth and preach the gay Star Wars gospel.